Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hello everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, where we follow the Golden Age Heroes adventures through the Silver and Bronze Ages of the pre-crisis DC Universe. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Peter and I are going to be looking at issue 129 of The Flash, which is a cover date, June 1962. Written by Gardner Fox, with pencils from Cameron Infantino and edited by Julie Schwartz. So we're going to do a full read-through deep dive of this one. Don't worry, we're not going to do this for every single issue no. that's coming out that we're going to talk about. No. But we feel it's really important to do this for the early ones, yeah. because obviously that sets up what everything is built upon. So here yeah. we go. Kicking off, we have an open open sort of splash page of... In fact, we should really talk about what's happening in the cover. We should talk about the cover, yeah. We should talk about the cover. So Flash 129, blah, blah, blah. What we have is Captain Cold zapping Barry and freezing on a big chunk of ice, and the trickster long-established other member of the Earth One Flash's rogues gallery. Mm-hmm. He's kind of got Jay Garrick hooked on a fishing rod. As he's running across the air as well, yeah. as he does. Yeah, of course, because he's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> um, so, and the splash page opening panel of Flash 129 has Captain Cold and the trickster sort of zapping Jay and Barry, the two Flashes. And the opening caption reads, When a comet crashes into the sun of Earth, releasing a deadly radiation peril that threatens to end all life, one man alone knows a way to overcome it. And the cool thing is, you know what Earth they're talking about because Jay's helmet is in that caption. Yep. To do this, he must leave his own world and journey to a planet which is almost Earth's duplicate and is also called Earth. Here, Jay, Flash Garrick, teams up with Barry, Flash, Alan to ward off a double, double danger, danger on Earth. Earth. And is that the first artistic representation we've seen of the two Earths together? Oh, actually, yes. Yes, now that you say so, I believe that yeah. is. Uh-huh. It's quite good, but just two little drones of Earth, one casting a shadow, mm-hmm. and yeah, that, I mean that's an image that gets used. Plenty hunters, much now. yeah, pure hunters mm-hmm. all, all the time. So in the splash page, Captain Cold played so well by um, Wentworth Miller and DC Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> now that we are working as a team, Trickster, you see how easily we can beat even two flashes. No, I'm not. I won't do every. Don't, don't do the voice. <laughs> I won't do every voice in my Wentworth Miller impression. And the trickster is saying, "I have to hand it to you, Captain Cold. You're a cool customer, all right." Barry and Jay aren't saying anything. You're doing that in the Mark Hamill voice. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if I've got a Mark Hamill voice. He kind of does it in his Joker voice. Oh, really? Almost his Joker voice. Yeah. Right. Back from the old. Uh... Am, I, am I right in thinking there's an episode of the Flash, the current Flash TV series, mm-hmm. where Mark Hamill yes. is playing the, the trickster yes. again to John Wesley thingies? Yes, and they also have Prank in it, who was also in right. the 1991 that's, series that's as well. Brilliant, isn't it? Yes, it's, it's a complete sort of sequel to that, but they kind of write the old Flash out. Right. Oh, and just say it was like a crime wave you had in the city. Yeah. It's mental. I love it. Yonks ago, I bought the box set. So the first two or three series of The Flash, mm. the first four or five will add on. One of these days, I'll crack them open and get properly stuck in. Back to Flash 129, Double Danger Enough. So this went on sale in um, April 1962, which is only a month after Strange Adventures 140, which we covered last time. So into the story properly. And it kicks us off with a caption saying, During late March of the year 1962. So it's contemporary. Uh, a mighty comet hurtles through the solar system, but instead of following an orbit that will carry it around the sun, it heads straight for the solar body. 
It drives deep into the sun on the 1st of April 1962 and a gigantic flare of Epsilon radioactivity rips outward from the awesome collision. Presumably this must be a couple of scientists or, or whatever because they're watching it on the big screen and we can see some equipment around them. One of them saying that type of radioactivity is deadly toward all life on Earth. And his mate says if we can't find a way to stop or absorb it in time, mankind is doomed. And then another caption saying what's that you say reader? There's no record of a comet having hit the Earth's sun on the 1st of April 1962. Ah, but it did. And as it did, a wave of terrible radiation menaced every living thing on Earth. This is no April Fool's joke, nor is it mere fiction. However, there is no cause for alarm. For as flash readers know, there is another Earth, almost an exact duplicate of our own, where the flash is not Barry Allen, but is an older man named Jay Garrick. Which is interesting because that kind of supposes that the reader's on Earth 1. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is bizarre. In the last instalment, we talked about how Gardner Fox was tuning in and picking up the stories of... Of Earth 2. Of Earth, of, of Earth 1. Oh, and, yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. So this is in, this is at Shea Garrick, um, at Jay's house, and Jay's reading his paper, and Joan is saying, "How bad is it, Jay?" Jay's saying, "Pretty bad, Joan. In fact, it's mortally dangerous." Jay's, you can see, you'd actually see Jay, but it's almost his point of view mm-hmm. of the newspaper he's reading, which you can see part of the word Keystone. He's got his cup of coffee, and the the headline he's reading is "Deadly Radiation Hits Earth from the Sun." Because that's how you got your news back in nineteen sixty-two. The yeah. paper. Yep. And then we have a brief recap of Jay's origin where the caption says, Yes, reader, in this other world, the Flash is Jay Garrick, who was made super swift when he knocked over a retort filled with hard water and inhaled the fumes. I love this, actually. It's just a nice little, even if you hadn't read one, two, three, it's a nice little one recap. Kind of... And it's Jay's story from the start. And, yeah. and he's drawn and written and looks exactly like the way he's been ever since this. I mean, Pretty <laughs> much, yeah. It's, it's terrific. So the um, story continues with the caption, It is this other Earth, then, that faces the grim radiation peril, not our own, for as Jay Garrick explains, When the comet crashed into the sun, it was like a mighty atomic bomb exploding, only on a cosmic scale. And then we've got kind of a lesson about radioactivity. Every atom bomb explosion gives off heat and a shockwave and a radioactive dust called fallout. The extent of that fallout is measured in terms of rentgens. A certain amount of these ruentions is mortally dangerous. As time goes on, this radioactivity will build up in our atmosphere, its ruentions becoming a more and more deadly until Earth turns into a lifeless planet. The radiation is like a gigantic atomic blast taking place in the sun. It will get worse and worse. Preliminary calculations show that unless the radiation is checked, none of us will have more than a few days to live. However, my branch laboratory in Flagstaff, Arizona, has reported there is very light radiation there, which disappeared entirely in the vicinity of a meteor crater. And Joni asks, why should that be? Turn the page now on page four, if you're reading along. And Jay continues, I'm hoping it's a sign that the meteorite buried in the crater absorbs the radiation. My job now is to check into the meteorites, learn why it absorbs radiation, and take steps to put it to use and save the Earth. And then he opens up the closet where we see the costume just like lying there in the bottom of the closet with the helmet just on top. That famous helmet with the mercury wings and, and the boots with the little wings on them. Indeed. And he says, the question is, should I do my investigating as Jay Garrick, whom the president put in official charge of the radiation peril, or as the Flash, since I can work faster that way? That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Jay's reached a position where the, He's the president's got him on speed dial. and Pretty much. And is calling him in when the whole planet... As a scientific expert. Yeah. Joni is saying, well, poor darling, ever since Barry Allen visited you, and we get a little asterisk and a footnote reminding us of Flush Two Worlds. 
Ever since Barry Allen visited you and you decided to come out of retirement, there's been no call for your services as the Flash. And Jay says, I know, I'm like an old fire horse waiting for the sound of the alarm. Those were the days, Joan. You were Joan Williams then, not Mrs. Garrick. As he stares wistfully at his uniform, the years seem to roll away for the former Scarlet Speedster. And he says, the last time I wore that before Barry Allen visited us was in the Justice Society of America case. The mystery of the vanishing detectives. How well I remember the last GSA adventure. And we, we have another little footnote which says, on, on Jay's Earth, the Justice Society of America was a group of superheroes who banded together to fight crime and injustice. Its counterpart, and again, its counterpart on our Earth is the Justice League of America. So again, that's suggesting once again that the we the reader are on Earth 1. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Jay continues his reminiscence. Yeah, this is really interesting, this part, because... Although it doesn't name-check the episodes, this is actually a recap of the very last issue of All-Star Comics that featured the JSA, because that's issue 57. And yet we have a brief recap here of exactly what happened in that. And of course, that story was titled The Mystery of the Vanishing Detectives, where the JSA were up against the key, who was a supervillain at the time. Jay's reminiscing and he's saying, I, I, can, I can still see Wonder Woman lifting that submarine high out of the waves, shaking out at the villainous crew. And the Atom, as he bowled over half a dozen members of the Turtleneck gang. My, you should have seen the winged Wonder Hawkman twisting water pipes apart and deluging those crooks with tons of water. And good old Green Lantern, as he encased his body in emerald armour so bullets couldn't harm him. Then there was Dr. Midnight, under cover of his blackout bomb, wading into a gang of crooks. And how about lovely Black Canary? She was there too. <laughs> she was there too. And you see Dinah just sort of flinging some stones at some guys. So this is um page with you know, little recaps and showing, probably showing these characters for the first time. In since 10 years. Yeah, yeah so, uh-huh. so Wonder Woman there, despite the fact she's still in, in publication, but this is the, you know, the, the Justice Society Golden Age Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. if you like. So I've got little Al Pratt, who's probably the first time he'd been seen, because at this point, the Ray Palmer Atom's only been around for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, next panel is we see Hawkman wearing the sort of golden close-fitting face kind of, mask as opposed yep. to the, the bird head one, which the Silver Age Hawkman, who by this point has been around for about two years, I think. Yeah, about that. Huh? And then we see Big Alan Scott, the first time he'd appeared, Dr. Midnight. And that, quite interesting, actually, because they put the whole panel sort of like just shaded out in blue, mm-hmm. which maybe they're trying to suggest that that's how Chuck would sort of see stuff. Black Canary. You know, Black Canary throwing the stones there, that reminds me of, what was the episode? Was it Star Trek Next Generation when, I, can't, I think it was one of the films, or maybe it was one of the episodes, when you've got Worf and Geordi doing all heroic stuff and then it cuts to like Diana and Dr. Bev just dropping pots on people's heads. You know, right, it's like okay. the, the token, <laughs> yeah, the, the girls can't fight as well as the guys. Oh dear. So anyway, so we move on, move on to page six and we have a quite a, you know, a half page panel of the Just Society squaring up to the key. And it kind of mirrors the splash page of All-Star Comics 57 with uh, Wonder Woman deflecting bullets uh, fired at her from the villain The Key with his big giant key gun, uh, the key whose face is kind of shaped like a keyhole. Stop saying key. Key. That's a key point. Key. The, key, um, the key word for this this particular podcast is key. Key. So, Jay's got his jacket on, shaking off his memories. Jay Garrett compromises by putting on his Flash costume and covering it with his regular clothes. I don't know when I'll be back, hon. Maybe not until the radiation peril is conquered, if it ever is. Joan looks, she looks sort of resigned to it, doesn't she? I have confidence in you, dear. You've never failed in a case yet. So, Joan looks quite dressed up. She looks like she's about to go out to a ball. It looks looks like she's wearing some sort of see-through over sort of dressing gown, sort of like, you know, 
negligee sort yeah. of thing, but it's kind yeah. of got this strange, like, roughed look. Yeah. It's taken out of the waist. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. This is the um, the Joan Garrick Fashion Appreciation Podcast. Yes, indeed, yes. And in his Keystone City Laboratory, one hour later, Jay's there and some scientists and stuff, and one of the scientist lads is saying, please watch, Mr. Garrick. This metal chunk is from the Creator Meteorite. With this lamp, we've duplicated the deadly radiation. And as the Epsilon radiation stamps out, the meteorite glows and pulses, absorbing the radiation as a sponge absorbs water. Uh, the Geiger counter didn't even click. That means with enough of this meteorite metal, we can make the world safe. I'll be on my way to Arizona now. In Arizona, at the edge of the meteor crater, this is talking about Jay, he meets scientists and high-ranking military officials who give him a message of doom. And the scientist is saying, You did excellent work, Garrick. But it will be of no help, no help at all. And the senior high-ranking military official is saying, you see, the meteorite of the crater has mysteriously vanished. The dismay seizes the authorities grouped about the empty crater. And the scientist says, without the meteorite, we're done for. And there isn't another such type of meteorite in the rest of the world. And the, the military chap says, what will we do? Where could it have gone? So deep in thought, Jay suddenly cries out, hopefully. Wait, gentlemen. There is another Earth existing almost simultaneously with our own, practically a duplicate of ours. Our Earth is a meteor crater, so might that other Earth. And I like how um, Carmine is sort of, he's drawn... He's drawn the finger snap. Yeah, he's drawn the finger snap. The, the, the gotcha moments. Just terrific. Recently, I learned both Earths were created simultaneously in similar universes. They vibrate differently, which keeps them apart. Life Customs, even languages, evolved about the same on both Earths. And the scientist man says, If what you say is true, and you can contact that other world, do so. And the man from the military says, It's our only chance to stay alive, Garrick. Get to work on it. So, out of sight of the others, Jay throws off his civilian garb, and as the Flash races cross-country to a certain spot outside Keystone City. And he thinks, Lucky thing I put my Flash outfit on. Time is mighty important now. I have about three days to get that meteor but after that, the Epsilon radiation will have built up to such an extent, nothing will save us. The rating caption says, Vibrating as he had seen Barry the Flash Allen do, he carves a pathway between two worlds. Again, he continues thinking, I hope there's a meteor crater in Barry Allen's world waiting for me. So this is the first time Jay has crossed over. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, could just so um, Barry did. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the whole sense of like Jay's of Earth 2 being an mm. absolute pet. It's, it's good. Right, so... Uh, uh, before we go on to the next bit of the story, yeah. it does say continued in the third page following. You go on to the next page, a lovely touch. It's an advert, and the advert is your pass to new worlds, mm. which is hilarious. It's all about uh, public libraries and what you can get from them. So, yep. yes. Which is nice public service. They used to do quite a lot of these little yeah, pages uh -huh. for quite a long time. And on the opposite page, there's an advert proclaiming the fact that Ray Palmer, the new modern version of the Atom, has got his own comic after his successful appearance in Showcase. So, turn the page now, we move on to Chapter 2, Double Danger Enough. And the caption kicks off. Now, let us look on our own Earth again. Own Earth. Yep. Uh, except there is no danger at all. Except perhaps to Barry Flash Allen from Iris West Temper. For, as usual, he's late for a date with his girlfriend. To save time, he touches his secret spring on his ring, which ejects his scarlet costume. Now, yes, anyway, so Barry's thinking to himself, oh brother, it's eight o'clock and I'm due right now at Iris's apartment. Got to hurry, so I'll change into my flash outfit here. It's basically just time management, that's Barry's flaw, isn't it, really? I think so, yeah. Yeah. 
he's, so, he's um, a very successful forensic scientist. He's yeah, got, he, he gets to solve all these just, crimes, gets, not just by running around. He just gets caught up in his work and stuff. That's so it. I mean, that's the thing. If you're if you're fundamentally bad at managing your own time, it doesn't matter, you know, if you, how fast you. Anyway, mm-hmm. at super speed, he rips across town toward Iris West's apartment, and soon Iris wearing a, a very fetching bathing suit and sash. <laughs> yes. this, this is the fashion podcast. We're basically talking about how great Carmen Infantino is at, yeah. at drawing ladies. Yes, Iris is gorgeous. She really is. Anyway, go. so yes, she's thinking at last. There's Barry now. I just don't know what to do with him. He's always late and opens up the door and there's Barry. <gasps> He's standing there in his flash costume. Barry Allen, she says. I declare if you were any slower, you'd stop moving. And Barry's saying, puff, puff, I hurried as fast as I could. And he's saying, I've got to remember to use Barry's voice, not the Flash's voice. And, and then, then, then we have a nice little sort of box out caption, which is almost sort of with um, Barry, Barry's head at the bottom and Iris's head at the top. And it screams, hold on now. Iris West doesn't know Barry is the Flash. So how could she address the Flash as Barry Allen? Is it possible she's discovered his secret identity? And she says, You know, Barry, in your costume for the headline maker's ball, you look almost like the Flash. Too bad you aren't as fast as he is. And Barry says, That's a pretty keen outfit you have yourself, Iris. So Barry uses a different voice as the Flash. Yeah. So do you think he's all Christian Bailey? Like, I'm Flash. (laughs) Or maybe... I don't know, he must, he must do something like that, you know, because... Put down uh, the cold gun, yeah. Captain Gold. I mean, is that, is it, it makes you think that, you know, like, when he's Barry, does he do a really dorky voice? Talk like, you know, I don't know. It's, well, he's obviously always had his Barry voice, so maybe yeah. he must... So he's not maybe it's my more kind of posh, refined voice of the Flash. Yeah, I mean, that. I mean that's another... Because people always sort of say secret identities don't work. Mm. Lois Lane could, should be able to figure out who Superman is just because yeah. he's taking his glasses off. So, but that's another thing that Clark probably alters his accent or changes inflection or talks in a different way and you know well i think superman the movie kind of did it best you know with um christopher reese portrayal the scene where he's in lois's apartment yeah and he I kind of exactly what you mean yeah, yeah and he takes the glasses off and like stands up upright yeah. you can totally see and then he puts the glasses on and slumps back down again yeah. it is it does look like two different the one, people the one it's, always, it's phenomenal. the thing that always gets me about sort of looking at silver age comics again mm-hmm. it's, there's always a female sort of protagonist who ends up knowing the superhero and ends up knowing the superhero he's civilian mm-hmm. ident- and the one that always annoys me the most is Hal Jordan and Carol, Carol Ferris, Ferris and Green Lantern yeah. because Hal's hair has quite you know it's not like yeah. he's a full over mask to disguise himself yeah. again. Hal probably must do something with his voice as well does <laughs> well. his voice get modulated when he's wearing his ring so anyway, back back to the plot of Flash 129. So it turns out Barry and Iris, they get the taxi to travel to the Hotel Central where society is gathering to donate cash for charity at the annual Picture News costume ball. So it's another charity. I wonder if it's for the orphans. It um, could be for those orphans. It could be. It could be. Uh, so, from Flash 123. Yeah. You never so um, Iris is, you know, there's a big sign on the wall that says, it's a bit like the old things you used to get in Blue Peter, the totalometer. And oh, a, yeah. There's a, big, there's a big sign on the wall saying, no donation too small. And Iris says, this is why she's dressed as a bathing beauty. And mm. so, Before the night is over, we hope to hit the $100,000 mark. And Barry saying to himself, I recognise the tellers as members of the Central City Police Force. Good. I know the charity money will be safe. So they proceed into the Grand Ballroom and Barry clocks someone dressed as Captain Cold, someone dressed as the trickster, and someone dressed as everyone's favourite reflective alliterative Barry, the Mirror Master. And Barry's saying, people masquerading as such headline makers as Mirror Master, Trickster, Captain Cold, The Top. Phew. If I didn't know oh. these villains were really in jail, I'd be suspicious. Yeah, The Top is there in the background, but it's not coloured. Yeah. He's, uh, no, he's just sort of yeah. shaded in blue. Yeah. So um, then we have a caption, as the orchestra <clears throat> plays and most of the people are dancing, 
a guest moves out into the lobby and it's Captain Cold. And I'm fighting the urge to do my Wentworth Miller impression. I'll take over then, shall I? But Captain, Captain <laughs> Cold thinks to himself... The thermometer's reached $100,000. That's nothing like Wentworth Miller. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I broke out of jail today with one of my, my cold tricks in time to make myself rich. <laughs> I want to do the Wentworth Miller. Right? Okay, you so, can um, So whipping out his cold gun, Captain Cold sends a piercing beam of frost through the tailor's cages. Such intense cold quick freezes them so they can't move. Um, and he goes on to say, at the same time, the coldness makes metal as brittle as glass. A single blow with my hand smashes the metal bars of the cage. Crash as he um, breaks open the cage. So, as the frost master stretches out his hands for the charity receipts, huh? Someone's grabbing the money ahead of me. The trickster. And we see a fishing rod kind of grappling hook affair mm-hmm. coming in, picking up the money bag. Yes, and from behind Captain Cold is the trickster. Lenny Snart proclaims it's the trickster, and the trickster says, Exactly. I made my escape from prison just this afternoon, just to get this. You don't think I'd let you beat me to it, Captain Cold? We'll see about that. My absolute zero ray will put you out of commission. The trick is for you to fire it, and you can't do that with a pellet blocking the barrel and he takes so, a pea shooter out. Yep, and the, the trickster fires a magnetic pellet from his blowgun. So snatching up the $100,000, the trickster is about to make his getaway with his jet shoes when Jay Garrick appears in silhouette. I don't know much about this other earth of Barry Allen's, but I sure recognise a robbery when I see one. And Captain Cold is like, who in the world is that? And trickster says, never saw anyone like him before. And Captain Cold says, look at him go as fast as the flash. And Jay's running in thinking... Barry Allen's landlady told me he was coming to this costume ball and that I'd find him here. I didn't expect to find crooks as well, which begs the question, how chatty is Barry with his landlady? And we've never seen his landlady. Right. This is, this is a strange, strange set of affairs here. No, he, no, he's turned up at Barry's door the same way Barry turned up at Jay's door. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, so, that's, that's, that's probably what happened. And then managed to track down his landlady? Is he a lodger? It can't he, be a lodger, no. I don't know. I mean, is it maybe a, seen that. a big building and... Barry lives in an apartment on one of the floors or something. Uh, well, who knows? Okay, who knows? so... This warrants further investigation. So, racing directly below the trickster, Jay Flash Garrick speeds around and around. And the trickster's thinking he's created a downdraft, which is catching me, making me fall. And downward plunges the criminal, caught by the air whirlpool. He's a bit worried. I can't stop. I'm going to crash. Infantino's art again is fantastic. Yep, you've got a nice sort of view as if you're behind the trickster sort of looking down on what's going on. And you can see because his cape's flying up in the air quickly how fast he's yep. going down and he's let go of the money bag. Yep. And it's up in the air above him. Jay says, I'll take that money and return it to the authorities. And Captain Cold thinks to himself, ah, finally wrenched the magnetic pellet from my cold gun. Oh no, you won't, you imitation flash. The very air freezes around the Flash's churning feet, making him slip and slide, losing his balance. And Captain Cold says, If I didn't know better, I'd think you were the Flash himself. You're as fast as he is, but that costume is from Squaresville. Very of its time. Yep. And Jay's thinking, saying, My feet sliding every which way! And then he crashes into a wall. Yep. Helpless before the ice, which causes him to crash heavily, the Flash sees the trickster stir and begin his move. Thanks, Captain Cold. I appreciate you saving me from this other Flash. If I weren't determined to keep all this money, I'd share it with you. The trickster tries to, to make a run for it, basically. Um, mocking laughter trails behind the running trickster as he races upward in his jet shoes. Captain Cold shouts to him to come back, and trickster says, I've got places to go and things to do. So, elsewhere, as he circles the dance floor with Iris West, Barry Flash Allen frowns in puzzlement. 
That's odd. By this time, they were supposed to announce whether we'd made the $100,000 we were aiming for. It's almost midnight too, says Iris. I'll have a look around, Iris. I'll, I'll hurry back. At least before they play the last number, Barry. You know how slow you are. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah, she, so, so, the last one will be a slow dance. So, um, but all slowness disappears as the flash hurtles past the frozen police officers in the broken teller's cage. And Barry thinks to himself, the police tellers, frozen solid, the charity money gone. This is all the earmarks of a job by Captain Cold. Somehow he must have broken out of jail. And a little further on, Barry says, huh? Am I seeing things, Jake? I mean, the Flash? And yes, he has bumped into Jay, who's just recovering from his crash into the wall. And Jay says, Phew, I just had a run-in with a couple of crooks. They escaped me, but they couldn't have gone very far. Let's go after them. There's one of them now. The trickster, shouts Barry. Now, ahead of the speeding fastest men alive, Captain Cold lifts his cold gun skyward, crying out angrily, I warned you, trickster, you've had your last chance. <laughs> You're helpless to stop me, Captain Gold. As the Frostmaster triggers his cold gun, a wall of solid ice leaps into existence right before the trickster. So this has got another nice little carmine panel of the trickster, basically. As it says, just float, you know, wham, crash into a big pile of ice. Sliding groundwards along a sloping ice bridge, the dazed trickster cannot prevent his fellow thief from wrenching the charity money from his nerveless hands. Sorry, old boy, but to the victor belongs the spoils. So, worn by the drumming of two feet, Captain Cold wheels about to face two flashes. I didn't expect this. Split up, says Barry to Jay. If Captain Cold gets one of us, the other can grab him. Once again, the frigid beam stabs outwards, turning the water vapour in the air about Barry Flash into a block of solid ice. I've got you, Flash, shouts Captain Cold. And Jay runs in saying, and I've got you, Captain Cold. And we've now reached the point in the story, which is basically on the cover. I always yes. like it in the Silver Age stories when you, yeah, when yeah, you get that. that. Basically, the trickster has sort of floated past and he screams, I had an opportunity to get away with the loot while the other Flash was capturing you, Captain Cold. But then he'd free the Flash we know and both of them would get me. So... And as he's saying this, he's got, with his fishing rod device... He's caught Jay, hasn't he? He's caught Jay by the shoulder and is so, um, hooking him up. The caption gives us, while one flash is held helpless in a block of solid ice, the other flash is yanked upward into the air. And an instant later, the trickster says, You know, Captain Cold, we make a pretty good team. And um, Captain Cold says, Not bad, trickster, we stop both flashes, if you'll pardon the pun. Cold! We don't pardon the pun, Captain no. Cold, we don't. Then Trickster is running away with Captain Cold and says, You deserve half this money. I have a feeling that the two of us can make more loot than either one ever could. And Captain Cold says, Good idea, we'll work together from now on, just as those two flashes did. And the so, very interesting thing about this is this is actually the very first Flash Rogue team up. They've not even been referred to as Rogues yet. All right. This is the very first time you've had two of them in the one issue teaming up together. That's very interesting. And it's also the very first time we've had Jay come over to team up with yeah. with Barry. Uh, yeah. So we have a little thing at the bottom of that page. A story continued in the third page following with a little drawing of Barry's cowl and a little drawing of Jay's helmet. And so we move into chapter three, Double Danger or Enough. Chapter three, Hell Prisoners in the Ice Blocks created by Captain Cold. Both Flashes realise their deadly danger. But can they do anything to escape it? And Barry thinks to himself, we've got to find some way out, or Captain Cold and the trickster will rob at will. And then back to our A-plot. Unless I get out of here, thinks Jay, everyone on my earth will perish from the Epsilon radioactivity. Yeah, because Jay's he's not even had the chance to tell Barry about nope, this, has he? they've literally gone straight into the action. And that's the first mention of it. Since chapter since, one, pretty yeah, much, so, yeah. So. so let us temporarily turn our attention from the ice trap flashes to those moments just before Captain Cold captured them. Barry's saying, so we have sort of a little split panel of Leonard Snart shooting Barry and Jane. Barry's thinking to himself, got to take a deep breath. 
And Jay's thinking, must breathe in deeply so as to leave a gap between my body and the ice. So they both have time to think that, but not time to get out of the way. Yeah, so the, the space between their bodies and the ice enables the speedsters to vibrate faster and faster. And suddenly, the superheated air generated by the super swift vibrations causes the ice blocks to spit open. And Barry says, it looks as if we had the same idea. At the same time, says Jay, finishing off the sentence. Yep, so they scour the city at whirlwind speeds, but find no trace of the trickster and Captain Cold. We've lost the trail for now, but they'll show up again, says Barry. Meanwhile, says Jay, I have a job to do here on your Earth. And very quickly, Jake relates the terrible problem of the Epsilon radiation threatening his world. So, I've got to get your world's meteor crater at once. It's the only hope of saving my world. That sounds wrong. So I've got, not be... uh, yeah, it reads, so I've got to get your world's meteor crater at once. He Should we get to your yeah, world's meteor crater? Or maybe it just means he wants to get, he wants to take the whole thing. So anyway, Barry says, mm, interesting. I'd like to give you a hand, but I'd better stay around here and wait for Captain Cold and the trickster to strike again. Anyhow, good luck. I'll alert the authorities about your mission here. So, that's a bit... So Barry's kind of a bit surprising. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You, so, an entire world can die, but no, Captain uh, Cold and the trickster might um, pinch some yeah, money. Yeah, no. so. I think like, there'll be a way around. Anyway, so, J. Flash Garrick speeds westward. Barry Flash Allen hurtles eastward, but only a few blocks. Phew, he thinks to himself. Good thing I slowed down before Iris turned to look at me. Otherwise, she might have realised I really am the Flash. And Iris, looking at him coming round the corner, says, Well, Mr Slowpoke, where have you been? I'm the last person left at the ball. There was a robbery, Iris, and after all, I am a policeman, you know. A robbery? Tell me all about it. After all, I am a reporter, you know. Now, hang on, she's been at the ball. How does she not know? Maybe that... they, maybe they just stopped everyone going into the room where the... They kind of hushed it all the, up. The police and kind of went, no, nothing to see here. No, don't no, don't let Iris Allen in. She's going to surprise me. We can't be seen. Iris to... West, they're not married yet. That's right. Okay. We can't be seen to kind of be totally, you know, mm. out of our depth here, etc. So yeah, they must know. have said we've not quite counted the money yet. Yeah, so that's excuses. Okay. The next panel is a nice shot of a Carmine Infantino desert with, with Jay speeding through it. And um, before Barry Allen can taxi Iris to her apartment, Jay Garrick is across the continent at Meteor Crater. I can't do this by myself, thinks Jay. I need help, so we'll ask for it at the Crater Museum. And at the Crater Museum, Flash explains his replacement. Whatever Jay actually means by that, his replacement, does that mean why he's there instead of Barry? Or, or does it really mean predicament? Uh, but anyway, yeah. So yes, a couple of chaps and brown shirts and, and black ties and they look a bit craggy and one of them says, well, help all we can, naturally, but one man dig up the meteorite. That's an impossible task. Several attempts have already been made to get down to it and failed. It's believed that the meteor landed on Earth about 50,000 years ago, driving into the ground at an angle for 1,500 feet, force of impact through about 400 million tonnes of dirt outside the crater, Today that crater is 570 feet deep and over 4,000 feet across. It just rolls off the tongue. I feel someone's got basically copied something out of an encyclopedia. Yeah. A previous meter. Yeah, they've right-clicked uh, and copied, pasted from Wikipedia yeah. or whatever the, the Earth one equivalent from 1962 like was. Jinx, show me a Fanta. <laughs> so um, the scientist lad, in presumably he's a scientist, the man at the museum continues, the meteorite is estimated to be 120 feet in diameter and weighing anywhere from 1.7 million to 7.8 million tonnes. Do you still think you can get it up by yourself? Fanar, Fanar. To which Jay replies, I have to, to save my world. And in a panel that they should have had, they should have just said, get me a shovel. Because the next panel is Jay running around the meteor site with a shovel, yep. uh, digging the entire site up. The caption says, working with astounding speed, the otherworld flash wears out shovel after shovel of nickel steel as he digs and digs. 
I can dig out a lot of dirt before the first shovelful falls back to the ground. Then by running around and round the rim of the crater, I can whirl the dirt in a fast moving circle like a tornado. Again, some nice sort of carmine art just showing the, the ore just being sort of spiralled up into the air. Within moments, a mighty gusher of dirt, mud and water erupts from the impact tunnel of Meteor Crater. And Jay says to himself, I formed a suction cup with rotating winds which draws up everything beneath it, not fast and securely. As the debris subsides to the ground behind the crater rim, for the first time in recorded history, men's eyes stare down at the famous meteorite. That must be Jay, yeah? Uh, no, well, scientists. Scient- it's impossible to tell which is which. <laughs> but um, someone is saying, amazing, but now that you've uncovered it, how can you possibly transport it back to your world? Not all in one piece, that's for sure, says so, Jay. Descending into the crater, the scarlet speedster uses his stupendous speed to cut the meteorite into sections. Just as a straw can penetrate a tree when blown at hurricane winds. That is my favourite of the flash facts. <laughs> you know, flash facts being a page of yeah. um, speed-related illustrative little drawings that you would get in mm. issues of the flash around this time. And it's one I always remember is that, you know, a straw can penetrate a tree when blown by a hurricane. Superb. But anyway, this is Jay's thinking, not, not your thinking. Yeah. Just as a straw can penetrate a tree when blown by hurricane winds, just as I can vibrate through solid walls, so my hands... By moving at super speeds, can slice the metal of the meteorites. Blimey. So, yep, yep. He's so basically karate chopping the entire meteorite. Yep. Soon, an imposing mountain of meteoric ingots is stacked by the Crater Museum awaiting shipment. I figure another half hour and I'll have the whole meteorite dismantled and ready to, can you imagine, chopping at solid rock with your hands for half an hour. I mean, it's some... At super speed, so he's doing yeah, it all and he's not a young man anymore, but it's it's interesting because I'm sort of now sort of thinking, what if this comet was to suddenly rock up in the Earth-1 universe? You'd have no chance because Jay's away with the meteorite. It's okay. This is a Gardner Fox story. This will be covered. His friend Barry Flash Allen has arranged to have these meteoric ingots brought to Central City by air transport. And Jay thinks I'll give them an hour start, then take off myself. And then we have a caption saying, In Central City, the newspapers have seized on the visit by the other Earth Flash with banner headlines. And we have a nice panel of Barry and Iris. They're reading a newspaper, which has a little, presumably a photograph of the Jay Garrick Flash with his Mercury helmet. And the headline, Flash from other Earth here to save his own. And Iris is saying, Isn't this exciting, Barry? Another Flash. My goodness. And to think I have the exclusive story about him. Um, Barry's saying to himself, Jay's work is almost finished here. Wish I could say the same because I still haven't, but I still haven't caught up with Captain Cold and the trickster yet. I love there's a little sign that says Flash underneath yeah. Jay's picture in the paper. Yeah. Cool. The story continues on to page 19. When the two Flashes next meet, the ingots are ready for shipment into Jay Garrick's world. So Jay's standing with his machinery and Barry comes running up. Jay says, Hi Flash, I'm building this vibrator transporter to carry these ingots from your world to mine. Um, Barry offers to give him to lend him a hand. Yeah, hang on, let's think about this. Barry right. said he couldn't help Jay because he was going to hunt down the trickster and Captain Cold. But Jay went away and did all that work, and we didn't see any of Barry trying to hunt down the trickster and Captain Cold. Is Barry just lazy? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe he ha- <laughs> well, maybe he has been. Maybe, maybe he has been, been off panel. Jinx, yeah. Off panel. So um, so, right. So basically, Jay explains to Barry how the machine works. This assembly line belt will feed ingots into the vibrator, which will shift them to my world. By the way, what about the Captain Cold and the Trickster? They're still at large, says Barry, but these meteorite ingots might help us trap them. Listen. So, next day, picture news is filled with the story of a big find. And Iris says, I want to thank you both for this scoop. Now, Iris is holding a paper which says, Arizona meteorite contains diamond fortune. Arizona? Arizona. It does say Arizona. That's weird. Otherworld flash returns billion dollars in jewels. Has no use for them, he says. And Barry thinks to himself, we want to thank you too, Iris, but we can't without giving away our plan to catch Captain Cold and the Trickster. So 
Next day, as the vibrator transporter begins to function, Captain Cold and the trickster arrive in answer to those headlines. So we can see Barry and Jay flinging the ingots into the machine and then them coming out the other end and then vibrating and disappearing. And Captain Cold says, With this new fan attachment on my cold gun, I can blanket the city with an impulse of absolute cold even faster than I could before. A Twitch, fan attachment. Twitch the trickster says, pretty cool trick, Captain Cold. Yep. Now, Captain Cold should really slap him for taking yeah. one of his cold puns away from him. Yep. So, anyway. moments later, trickster's up in the air again, and he's saying, You froze both flashy stiff too. Now I can scoop up these diamonds they removed from the meteorite without worrying about them. You can see that the trickster has a big giant scoop, like his uh, fishing rod attachment, except with a big massive scoop at the end. Yep, you were right, Trickster. We do make an unbeatable crime team, says Captain Cold. And Barry and uh, Jay are both frozen at the bottom of the panel. Yep, next panel. No sooner does the sky scoop lift upwards with its burden, however, than and Barry and Jay are free. And Barry says, they fell for our publicity campaign about those fake diamonds. Now let's bring the Trickster down as we planned. And they take off after the Trickster and Captain Cold. And the Trickster is saying to himself, their speed is causing a suction, dragging me down. Jay and Barry are both together, running round, making their favourite whirlwind to catch the trickster yep. down in a downdraft. And Barry says, we protected ourselves by using the same negative radiation Captain Cold used to protect himself. And the trickster, and as a footnote, says, as explained in the Captain Cold story, the big freeze that appeared in Flash issue 114. So, continues with the caption, once again, the amazing gun of the coldest man alive comes into action as it builds a forest of giant icicles around the fastest men alive. So we see Barry and Jay getting trapped in icicles, basically, and, and um, Wentworth Miller comes out with, they can't run now, trickster. These icicles will hamper them long enough for you to make your getaway. But the quick-thinking flashes are not at a loss. Their hands move super swiftly. It looks like they're vibrating their hands through the icicles and breaking them so that they can yeah, get through. Yeah, a lot of canati chopping, really. Yeah. Super-speed canati chops. With room to operate, they snatch up the icicles and send them hurtling upward like frozen propellers. Try saying that five times quickly. <laughs> the trickster is ducking into a cloud. When he comes out the other side... He'll find mighty rough going, says Jay. The story continues in third page following. So, double danger on Earth chapter four. So, this is the trickster up in the air. And upward from the rotating hands of the two flashes leap the giant icicles, spinning so swiftly the eye can scarcely see them. Their swift circling disturbs the wind currents, sets up miniature hurricanes which hit and batter the trickster, knocking him off balance. And sure enough, down come the diamonds, scoop shovel and trickster. And Jay catches him, racing to meet with Jay Garrick, arms extended for the catch. And then before the stunned eyes of the Scarlet Speedster, the trickster disappears. Oh, he's disappearing, says Jay. Yep. Sitting the obvious. Yep. And at that moment, half a mile away, Barry is picking up some of the ingots and stuff and saying, I figured Captain Cold might cause a mirage with his cold gun, as he's done before. But I couldn't be sure. We get a footnote which reminds us of Showcase Issue 8, in which Flash first met the coldest man on Earth. So Barry continues. Yeah, although we usually relate images and stuff to Mirror Master, originally it's a Captain Cold thing. With the, like the colder the temperature got, you would see strange hallucinations, like Giant Mosquito was probably the old favourite one. Okay. Uh, it happened quite a few times in the early Captain Cold, but they kind of get rid of it shortly after this time. Right. Uh, and then the illusion thing came more of a Mirror Master thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting, you know, they're okay. still talking about it here. Yeah. Sorry, tangent. So Barry continues, I let Jay go after the trickster just in case it wasn't a Mirage while I followed Captain Cold. Ah, so is that why the trickster disappeared? Because he was a Mirage? Yes. Since he did use a Mirage and helped the trickster escape, Captain Cold will be on his way to meet him. I'll follow. And as I do, I'll leave a trail for Jay to follow. When he sees he's been fooled by that mirage, he'll start looking for me, and I want him to know which way I'm going. So, but that means that Barry's been able to see what Jay's just experienced. So this is obviously simultaneous action, is that Barry has seen 
what has happened to to Jay trying to catch the trickster? And basically, for the, these couple of panels, it's not it's a bit foggy. But Barry's basically explaining to us what's going on. I've got this vision of Jay just sort of standing raging. He's like, "What the heck? You know, where's he gone? Where'd What's Barry going go? on?" So Barry's leaving this trail for Jay to follow, and as he as he runs, the Flash moves his finger at super speed, slicing off thin slivers of the meteorite which he carries. These metal shavings are just as good as an arrow pointing out the way. Captain Cold leads Flash to a cave high in the nearby mountains. So Barry's saying to himself, there's the trickster too, who probably hid in the cloud as the winds blew it along until he thought it was safe to emerge and head for the cave. So inside the cave, the thieves are dividing their loot and Captain Cold is another for you, another for me. The trickster says, you know, these diamonds look a little odd. And Barry appears in the entrance to the cave and says, that's because they aren't real diamonds, but glass chunks. The other off flash and I doctored them to resemble real gems. We were tricked, says Captain Cold, which is interesting because that means they've both used to kind of catch trace of each other. All right, of yeah, course, yeah, yeah. Trickster says, we walked into your trap, Flash, but it won't do you any good. I have a new attachment for my cold gun, just for you, Flash. And I have a trick gadget that will amuse you too. And Barry says, save your tricks and gadgets, fellows. You won't be able to use them on me. You see, all I have to do to stop you both is snap my fingers. Have you lost your senses, says Captain Cold? No one, but no one, outtricks the trickster. And true to his words, the Flash snaps his fingers. And those fingers snap. Captain Cold whirls to face the trickster, who also turns around to face him. And both of them fire. Trickster, I shot you. How? And I shot you. How? And then, slowing down so that he becomes visible, the other world Flash reveals his presence. It was I who grabbed your gun hands and swung you around at the signal of the Flash's snapping fingers, says Jay. Yep, and Barry says, with my speed-geared eyesight, I saw the other Flash run into the cave so fast you couldn't see him. That's a cop-out, isn't it? Because we didn't see him either. He understood my snapping fingers to mean put both of you out of action. Yes, the universal uh, sign language symbol for putting two supervillains out of action is a finger snap. So... Later, after the two criminals have been turned over to the police and the people of Central City removed from the cold pall that held them motionless, the two flashes follow the meteorite ingots into Jay Garrick's earth. The ingots have already been vibrated into my world, Barry, says Jay. And let's see how they're being used, says Barry. So we're now on Earth 2, and as a captain saying, after being ground to powder, the meteoric metal is placed in special spray attachment that's fitted to rocket satellites and shot into the stratosphere. There's an awful lot of work that's going on with this, isn't there? Absolutely, yes. And Barry says, I still can't understand what happened to your meteorite, Jay. Jay says, I think I've solved that mystery. Here we go, ready for this? Mm. When the Epsilon radiation hit our Earth, our meteorite absorbed it. We thought it absorbed only the radiation around the crater, but it must have absorbed far more. Enough, actually, to save all our lives. But its effectiveness lasted only 24 hours. J-Flash concludes his explanation as the planet-saving meteorite dust is sprayed in the orbiting satellites far above the surface. At the end of these 24 hours, the meteorite was consumed by the radiation it had absorbed and simply disappeared. Just as the meteorite dust now being sprayed will disappear after it absorbs the radiation. 24 hours from now, both the radiation and the meteorite dust will be gone and our Earth will be saved. Barry says, hmm, you know Jay, if everything that happens in your world eventually happens in mine... Then when a similar comet crashes into our sun and Epsilon radiation bathes our Earth, with both meteorites destroyed, there'll be no way to save ourselves. And classic Gardner Fox neatly tying everything up at the end, Jay says, I've already taken care of that, Barry. Sometime later, back at, um, presumably Barry, Barry's pad, Barry and Iris are sat watching the telly, and sometime later, Barry Allen knows there is no cause for alarm 
as a stray comet crashes into his own sun. And Barry says, Iris, thanks to the foresightedness of the other Earthflash, who had a chemical analysis of the meteorite metal made, we have enough synthetic meteoric metal on hand to spray our atmosphere at once. And Iris says, we owe great debts to both Flashes, Barry. The, the end. end. Well. That was exhausting. That was, that was tough to get through. That uh, was. <laughs> Yeah, as I said, you didn't have to worry. Yeah. Gardner Fox always it's, ties everything up. It's, it's good that, um, not necessary. It's good that the, the Gardner obviously had the idea that, you know, someone's going to be reading this somewhere in <laughs> in 57 years' time <laughs> and is going to go, hang on a minute, what do you think of Flash 129 then, Pizza? Well, it's really important for several reasons. It's the first time Jay's come over to Earth 1. Yeah. Uh, it's the first team up of the Rogues, which I'm very excited about, being a massive Flash fan. Uh-huh. I do feel it is a little bit dry as far as characterisation things go, because Gardner's very much a problem solver as opposed to a character guy. Yeah, it's if, a little bit clinical, isn't mm, it? Almost. Yeah. If yeah. John Broom had been writing it, I think, you know, it would have been a bit more... A bit more flavour to it and a bit more of the rogue wackiness in it. Mm. Uh, one thing that's there, interesting... There, there was a little bit of that. I mean, maybe mm. just now we're just thinking, after many years of being familiar with characters like Captain Cold and the Tricks, you can't help but sort of project yeah. onto them the stuff that's, you know... Absolutely. Like what we're saying, you know, because you can't, I can't read a Captain Cold story now without imagining it's the guy oh from dear. Legends of Tomorrow. That's, that's your problem. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but one of the things that uh, stands out for me in this story is the fact that it's the first time uh, Gardner Fox has written the Trickster, who he would then go on to write loads of the... These, in fact, pretty much all the subsequent Silver Age trickster appearances because okay. he was a massive fan. He liked the wackiness of the character. Right. In fact, going back to our previous podcast where we mentioned the uh, the minor bird in the Strange Adventures issue, uh-huh. he actually had another minor bird appear as a sidekick to the trickster in one of his trickster stories. It's uh-huh. the one with the flash with the giant head in the cover. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a whole plot point in that. Interesting. Is the trickster has a minor bird sidekick for an issue. Right. So Gardner Fox obviously loves minor birds and also loves the trickster. Yeah. So yeah, interesting, interesting. fun stuff. But yes, uh, overall, it was a little bit dry, but still really interesting. Yeah. Still lots I mean, of fun. It's, it's nice, as you say, it establishes that Jay can travel to Barry's Earth. Yes, very important. Uh-huh. It's interesting that the other Flash is being reported on Barry's Earth. That's interesting yeah. as well. It's also... So it's, it's almost like creating an awareness that there are other universes mm-hmm. and that there is this other Flash and he's around. Yeah. It's interesting the acceptance that there's a parallel universe and everyone goes, all right, that's fine. Parallel Earth, mm. that's fine. Mm. In both cases, when Jay explains it uh, on his world and also uh, when it's explained on Earth 1, yeah, uh, it's really interesting that he's like, yep, yeah, sure, that's fine. Because yeah, yeah. there's no problems about the meteorite being being sent over. and kind of I can imagine there, there probably was someone at some point that probably said, well, wait a minute, what if this meteorite rocks up here? And, but obviously they dealt with that. Yeah. Plus, the things that kind of struck me was just the bit we talked about very briefly during it was just when Barry decides not to help Jay for a minute and just... Yeah. That was kind of that felt kind of odd. It's, if they just had a caption saying after several hours scouting the city, yeah, uh, Barry yeah. meets up with Iris, something like that, yeah. as opposed to just looks like he's been doing nothing all that time. Jay's been slaving away trying uh-huh. to save his world. But it's it's good after having had one, two, three, which does all the legwork of yeah. setting it all up. It's mm-hmm. nice that they just get on and just mm-hmm. team up, and you know, it's like, oh yeah, how you doing? Let's go on with it. And, and the cool thing is, one, two, three's got a trio of Earth two villains, whereas this has got a duo of Earth one villains. Yeah. Which is quite nice as the antagonist. It doesn't have the same sort of excitement as the as the first one. No. But it, it still doesn't really feel routine because there's a lot going on and there's there's some good sort of, you know, trickstery stuff going, you know, like when mm-hmm. the whole tricks are disappearing in the cold mirage stuff and all that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And also that one page which kind of mentioned the Justice Society, that's very interesting. Yes, and the fact they'd actually done their homework and showed yeah. the actual final yeah. JSA uh, because, adventure. Because obviously age. that was the final published sort of Golden Age Justice Society story and there have been a few retcons since then about why the Justice Society sort of split up and mm-hmm. why they stopped operating. But we'll get to those eventually. Mm-hmm. But while we'll, we'll get to them. That was quite good. So I think now we're going we're gonna to have a quick look at the letters page of Flash 129. Yes. Because one of them is another letter commenting on issue 123. Well, it's actually commenting on a letter about yeah. issue 123. Yeah. This letter is from Bill Warren in Oregon. And I'll read it out. Dear Editor, in the February Flash, you printed a letter from R.J. White, who, in praising your Flash of Two Worlds story, wondered which of the two Earths he lives on. So that's what we were talking about in our last episode there when we did Strange Adventures 140. Mm-hmm. What came to be known as the concept of Earth Prime, but reading through Flash 129 here, the way that we talk about our Earth, yeah. I'm sort of now wondering if the, the Gardner Fox and the Julie Swartz and all that that we saw in Strange Adventures was the Earth 1. But if so, why would it can be? It's not they, like it, turning up yeah, to stop the ceiling. It, exactly. But so, so they, they absolutely were. So, yes, yeah, so RG White, you wondered which of the two else. The answer to this is very simple. Mr. White lives on neither of the two worlds represented in the story. He lives on the same world and in the same time continuum as all the rest of us. The relationship our world bears to both of the worlds of the two flashes is the same as that between the corners of a triangle, adjacent to but separate from each other. So in one of these existences, the new Flash, Superman, Batman, Green Lantern and all the others, members of the Justice League, live and work. In another live the original Flash, Hawkman, Green Lantern and the other members of the Justice Society. And in the third live us, readers of both the new superhero comics and the old ones. This conveniently explains why we aren't rescued by any of these costumed heroes. I'll try to remain a fan of national periodicals, and seeing how I am now in college and still going strong, there seems little doubt that I always will be. For 12 cents in about as many minutes, you cannot get any better entertainment than a comic book. Bill Warren, Room 68, <laughs> University of Oregon, Eugene, Oregon. So that's... He might have moved from there. So yeah, so the, um, and the response from the other is, for setting us straight where on earth we are, we are sending you the original manuscript of Doom of the Mirror Flash. How exciting. So That's a reader there, Bill Warren, Bill postulating... Warren trying to create Earth Prime. ...of the existence of Earth Prime. <laughs> exactly, now, yeah. there was there was another one that you wanted to, to read out, can you say? Not so much read out, but I just want to say that further on, I think the last, like, yeah, the last letter in the letter column is from Donald McGregor. And I wonder if that is the same Don McGregor who went on to be a comic creator. Did a run on Black Panther and many other things as well in the Bronze Age. Could be a complete coincidence, might be a totally different person. But I always like to see the letter spaces for future comic professionals. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. So there we are. Awesome. It may well be that Donald McGregor. Might not be if it is. That's we'll we'll probably do some digging and see if we can find out. But you know, if anyone knows, mm-hmm. if anyone knows for sure, otherwise let us know. But let's have a quick look at the uh, reader reaction to this issue. So, Pete, say you're going to talk us through the letters that were published in issue 132 of The Flash. Yes, I'm looking at Flashgrams right now. The first letter in it is actually about the last letter that we just read. So this is a letter about a letter about a letter. It says, Dear Editor, I take my reputation in hand and make bold to thank you profusely for your Justice Society flashback in the Juden Flash. Although I'm a postgrad student who would expect to have long passed the comic book stage, the seeing again of the characters who inspired much of my youth meant a great deal. People who complain that comic books contribute to delinquency must not get much fun out of being alive. They wound up still obviously very much in the zeitgeist then, I suppose. Hot topic. The letter from Bill Warren in this issue might be some sort of argument in favour of mental telepathy. For some time now, I've been trying to figure out the metaphysical relationship between the DC heroes of the war years and those of today. 
I also arrived at the same triangular Earth's hypothesis and was happy to see that it explains so many bugs. That's why, for instance, today's super people battle against extraterrestrials, whereas their other selves fought more mundane mischief makers. It's why some stories show Kalel leaving Krypton as a baby, others as a toddler. So, the Justice Society of America flashback and the Warren Smith synthesis led me to the main point of this letter. I finally rationalised a way for the Justice League of America to join forces with the old Justice Society oh, yes. for a massive mutual adventure. Manuscript enclosed. <laughs> I sincerely hope that it is of high enough quality to wheel out some of the original artwork for Double Danger on Earth. Thank you, Gideon Smith. And there's a response from Julie Schwartz says, We've been wheedled, but good, as you'll discover for yourself when you see your name leading all the others in this issue's list of award winners. So yes, that's the first letter there, and obviously Gideon Smith is totally up for GLA JSA. Obviously, the, I wonder if anyone else is. It was interesting. Obviously, the, the readership have latched onto this multiple thing mm-hmm. quite strongly. People are into it. Absolutely, yeah. That's someone already sort of speculating and imagining what the possibilities. Indeed, and indeed writing it. So, the next letter is the, the second one, and it's from Melvin Herbers. Did we read one of Melvin's out before? Uh, from Ohio? Anyway. Dear Editor, I was once under the impression that to write a story superior to Flash of Two Worlds was an impossible feat to accomplish, while I was dead wrong, as evidenced by the masterpiece Double Danger on Earth. The continuity of this story was remarkable, if only for the sole reason that the original Flash returned. Of course, the numerous references to past issues also help to preserve the succession. Flash is becoming quite renowned for this. Needless to say, the real motive which reunited the Flashy duo, the Comet, was brilliantly plotted. The reappearance of two of the most unique of the new Flash's antagonists, Captain Cold and the Trickster, added a special twist. My hunger for action was for once fully satisfied with all these battle scenes, both Flashes versus Captain Cold and the Trickster, etc. The panels showing the Justice Society members in action are appreciated, I'm sure, by all of comic fandom. And the response to that, you put it mildly when you say the depicting of the Justice Society members would be appreciated by comic fandom. Hero-hungry fans have been hounding us to show this legendary all-star group in action again. Ah well, we'll just have to take a crack at that monumental idea one of these issues. But whether this story of stories will eventually appear in The Flash or Justice League of America, imagine the JLA and JSA together leave to an indefinite future. So there's a couple more letters, including one from someone called Mike Albison from Sheffield in Yorkshire. Wow. Hi, okay. Mike, if you're if you're listening. Um, there's a couple more, but I think... Um, All kind of saying just... Yeah, just general sort of positive response, etc. Craze on the crazers. There's a funny one. You say Flash is the fastest man alive. Why, do you know there's a corpse that's faster than the Flash? Of course not. So yeah, that's one, two, nine. People are digging the multiple earths and people are yeah. agitating for the Justice Society to, to come back and well. to team up with the JLA. So the thing that I'm sort of wondering now is like, where the Justice League popular? Do people like the Justice League? Or were there a lot of people going... Yeah, they're okay, but they're not the Justice Society. The Justice League were very popular, yeah. incredibly was, popular. Was it so not, popular that Marvel were told to emulate yeah, that's, them? Yeah, that's what led to Fantastic Four, Four wasn't it? So, yeah. yeah. We, we've talked before about Roy Thomas and his mm-hmm. sort of fandom. I mean, I can imagine if I'd, I'd been one of those guys that was probably going to bring back the originals. It's, I suppose yeah. it's like... But it's for a new generation. That's yeah. the thing. There's a lot of kids who are reading it. Yeah, and so they're probably... So. Exactly. They were doing a lot of kids that would never have read a Jay Garrick or Alan Scott story. Mm-hmm. It's very, very interesting. I, I mean, uh, the, one of my, my favourite thing actually about 129 was just that that glorified um, All-Star Comics flashback. Yeah, it was great. And, that it, was, and that it was really nice. Continuity accurate. Yeah. All-Star Comics flashback, which is incredible. That's yeah. great. Now, nowadays you wouldn't get that. Yeah, it's, it's, so. um, it's nice. Because you were saying before we started recording, it would be like, you'd be given a, a flavour. Yeah, as opposed to the actual. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. very much in the, in the Roy Thomas vein of the research that was done to actually yeah. see who they're fighting. Yeah. Even to have the panel with face-off against the key 
being pretty much the splash page panel of mm-hmm. that of Star 57 comic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Terrific. So, people are enjoying the multiple Flash team-ups. As are we. We hope you are too. We are, and people are enjoying the Justice Society. So, who's to say that maybe the next one we do will feature another Flash team-up or Or maybe maybe something else. Some Justice Society people. Who knows? You'll you'll, you'll have to tune in and find out. Indeed. We'd love to hear what you think about that story. You can get in touch with us on the Earth 2 podcast at gmail.com. And we'll give you a shout out on the show. You can find us on Facebook at the Earth 2 Podcast and on Instagram and on Twitter at podcast underscore Earth 2. So that's um, podcast underscore E-A-R-T-H and the number 2. There you go. So thanks for joining us on our journey. We'll talk to you next time on the The Earth 2 2 Podcast. Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime.